0: Hey folks, Ben here with badquaker.com podcast. Today's podcast is going to be a little bit weird. We have new software I'm working on so the sound quality is really weird. I interviewed Michael W. Dean right after he helped me set up the software, and all the, all the, all the tweaks are not done just yet with it. So you're going to hear like me breathing and snorting and things. I apologize for that. Also, we had a power outage in the middle of all this process. So what you're going to hear is very raw, a uh, very raw interview slash conversation with Michael W. Dean. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. I'll uh, I'll add an intro or what? Well, I could do I could do the intro, do the intro too. Now, and freestyle, yeah.
1: bust, bust some bust some mad science for us there.
0: Let me see what file this is. Oops, that's the wrong file. Let that's me see weird. what file.
1: <laughs> People are going like, "What is this? This isn't just Ben. <laughs> it's the voice in Ben's head that tells him to burn things."
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out what what I number this. One. Oh, here we go. Okay, so this is file zero 02- two.
1: It's numbered, s- didn't it? Automatically number. Well, You're not the to change the file name while it's recording, are you?
0: No, no. uh-uh. This is for my uh, for the way I list them. Once I once I change all the file oh. and do the editing and everything. Yeah, your it's, weirdness. Yeah, zero two zero nine podcast one forty six. I
1: hope you leave all this in. Thank you, your, weird, your weirdness. <laughs> That'll be your your honor the title. Your weirdness.
0: Okay, so with me is Michael W. Dean from the Fe- from the Freedom Fiends, that and he also charged. Also from uh, Gumbo Anarchy Podcast.
1: You can't remember what it's called. Neither can I. It's the Anarchy Gumbo Podcast, man. There Although you go. You were the first guest on it. And I told you it was going to be called the Anarchy Superstar Podcast, and my wife woke up to go to work, and she's like, that's fucking horrible, man. Oh, wait, can I us on here?
0: I'll, I'll edit it back out.
2: That's
1: friggin' horrible. And then she really liked Anarchy Gumbo, so, yeah.
0: That's a pretty good, it's catchy. It's a little complicated to say, but it's catchy.
1: Yeah, and it's not any, the the URL is nothing like that. It's kittyfeet.com, K I T T Y F E E T.com. And
0: And that's a leftover from your musician days. Well, I guess you're still a musician, but.
1: Yeah, I actually registered that domain name 16 years ago, which most people didn't know what the internet was 16 years ago, so I'm cool.
0: You're you're old school on the internet.
1: I'm I'm an OG, (laughs) I'm an original gangster of the internet
0: hey let's talk about that for a second you were um you were in a band for a long time and you like toured and you were like a rock star don't remind me
2: it was horrible
1: <laughs> it really killed me yeah i was in this band called bomb which if you're in a band called bomb now you probably end up on dhs watch list although i think we're all on that anyway yeah i was in yeah. a band called bomb in san francisco from uh, 86 to 93 that put out three records on Indies put out one record on Warner Brothers and then imploded like literally like it ended bad and I'm not speaking to two members of the band ever again
0: <laughs> well there's a lot of major label bands that did that
1: <laughs> yeah um, but they made money we we starved even on a major label man we were we were real mm. we suffered for your art now it's <laughs> your turn.
0: Well, that, you know, it is, it's kind of a, that whole lifestyle, though, is really hard on a person and it's really hard on relationships.
1: Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, that's one reason I like (laughs) podcasting. You know, it's not as catchy and you can't tap your toes to it. But, I mean, we can sit down and do a podcast and within a couple hours, it'll get heard by as many people as, you know, heard the first three records I did combined, which, you know, took four years of my life and nearly killed me before I even started getting more success. So.
0: Um, are you familiar with a band called, um, uh, this bike is a pipe bomb. I've heard of it. There was, although, uh,
1: although you just triggered another DHS in, uh, in, in yeah. intrusion by saying those words.
0: That's kind of why I said it. <laughs> going to mess with them a little bit. There, there's a, uh, uh, basically a college town in Eastern Ohio. Athens. Uh, yeah, yeah. Athens I played there.
1: I played there and I, I had sex with my, um, singers in my other bands singers uh sister there and he didn't like me for that she's going to college there
0: see that's what i mean the lifestyle tears apart relationships (laughs) um my son went to school there and uh, and i think it was the year after he left or maybe two years after he left something i can't remember now uh, a kid had a bicycle with a sticker on the bicycle for that band and he pulled up to the little coffee shop and, you know, chained his bicycle to the bicycle rack and went in for a cup of coffee and to relax and everything. And the next thing he knows, the bomb squad is there literally blowing up his bicycle <laughs> as he's trying to tell them, no, it's 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 a, a band. It's a band. They, it's it's not- a bad
1: You squares.
0: <laughs> My bike is not a pipe bomb. <laughs> But that's it says funny. it's a pipe bomb.
1: Well, it does <laughs> And isn't your son's band called? Isn't your son's band called Grenades?
0: Grenades, yeah.
1: <laughs> grenades, bo- world tour. Grenades, bomb. And this bomb bike is a pipe bomb.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, they yeah. do the intro exit music. For, I'll give them a little plug. They I do the intro exit music for uh, for dot com. It's great. It's great stuff. Man.
1: So you can hear me okay. Yeah. Are you okay there. Right. Yep,
0: doing good. Cool.
1: Yeah, we in the band Bomb, um, we had uh, stencils with the band name on a bunch of our equipment. And I remember we had one of those. I had, a big, I had, an, SV, I had an SVT bass amp, which is a giant Ampeg bass amp. And the, it's so big that the head and the cabinet are separate. And the head was in its own case and weighed like 75 pounds. And it was about, uh, you know, it's a hard shell case with metal corners on it. It's about oh, two and a half feet long, about a foot and a half wide, about a foot and a half feet tall with like locking. Things on the side of it, and it said "bomb" on it. One time, we got pulled over by the cops in um, Sonoma, California.
0: Oh man!
1: And this cop like searches our car, takes his flashlight, looks through. This is in like 1991, <laughs> and he goes, "What's in the big red case marked bomb?" <laughs> and my guitarist later told me he was biting his tongue not to say, not to say, "Well, officer, forget where we put it," so we labeled it. <laughs>
0: You know, I, I say pretty regularly how how dumb government is in general, <laughs> but yeah. but you look around at some of these DH, DH, DHS agents and some of the, uh, and I'm not saying all, I'm sure there's good people mixed in there somehow, I, I don't know, but, you know, and, and you think, man, they're just hiring anybody they can get off the street with no screening. Well,
1: Oh, off pizza boxes for TSA—that's the truth. But yeah, um, you said there might be some—they're dumb. There might be some good people in there. Uh, good and smart are not synonymous. I <laughs> yeah, I, I think they have some Uber geniuses working at DHS, especially designing the central scrutinizer which is what we're now calling the computer center in utah that's going to tap every message sent anywhere in the world
0: yeah and that's not paranoid rambling he's, ramblings either that's that's they're actually saying that openly that that's, that's what they're their, doing
1: you know that's the interesting thing to me about one of the big changes since i was a kid i'm gonna be 48 this week how old are you
0: uh i'll be 52 this year i think so we, we I, I have to recount maybe we 51 surf-
1: we survived the Cold War, so you know everything we heard as a kid. Uh, take the word "commie" and cut and replace it with "Muslim," and it's every yeah. bull crap that's being said now. And but one of the big differences is things that are open policy that are on government websites now. Mm-hmm. in the 60s and 70s were like state secrets you know
0: yeah yeah
1: i mean the things that the cia did in the 60s and 70s now all these government agencies have on their mission statement on their website
0: yeah if 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 watergate were to happen today people would be like yeah so what that's, well, that's nothing. And,
1: and that's another thing, too, is like the government routinely does to every citizen in the United States today everything that the president was impeached for doing in 1972 or whatever. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, they you know, the 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 burglars went in, broke into the psychiatrist's office, copied his files. They went in and bugged the the uh, their political opponent's office. But now they do that stuff. With, you know, without a warrant,
1: Obamacare, Obamacare is going to have the records of everything that, you know, doctors and psychiatrists do that used to be secret.
0: Yeah. So exactly like you just said, they're doing this openly now and to everybody.
1: Yeah. They don't need to to break in to do it now either. They own the servers it's stored on. I said, I said in 1994, I jumped on the Internet and was like, this is great. And one of the first things I posted after kind of poking around and figuring it out was the Internet is just a government plot to read everyone's mail without ste- steaming open envelopes.
0: <laughs> well, that would explain how the, the government was dumb enough to let people actually get a hold of the Internet. <laughs> I I've, yeah. I've, I've thought that was probably the stupidest from a, you know, from a status dominate the world type government point of view. Uh, letting the Internet out of its box was incredibly dumb.
1: I know. It's kind of like a virus or a genie, and they're trying to put it back in now, when it's gotten too big. They put it back in in 1994 easily. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, they could have closed it down, but they weren't bright enough to see what it – But, you know, the same thing happened, like, if you go back to the printing press or if you go back to anything like that that was really revolutionary – Um, some people in the state of the day, which was at that time, you know, uh, the church, some people recognized how deadly that was to their monopoly of, of information and violence, but most of them didn't see it. Most of them just thought one guy as a bad guy because, you know, like Martin Luther is doing bad things. We need to go kill him, but they didn't realize that it was the, it was the explosion of information that was going to tear down their empire.
1: Yeah. I'm a big gun guy and I'm not a constitutionalist like you, I'm not a constitutionalist. I don't believe in any government, um, but you know, I don't ignore that those things exist because they affect everything around us. And there's people trying to fight to preserve them when they're not there to begin with. But I'm really more of a, um, first amendment guy than a second amendment guy, or let's change that and say, I'm more of a free speech guy than a right to keep bear arms guy. Because like you said, you know, like Mark brought up on the Anarchy Gumbo podcast, um, You know, all these people who say there's a line in the sand and it's the second amendment and now they better not cross that line. It's like they pretty much crossed that line at the whiskey rebellion before the ink was really dry on the constitution. You know, ever since it's like in Iraq under Saddam Hussein, citizens could own better guns than we can own here. They could own full auto AK forty sevens. And which is interesting because they have a right to keep and bear arms that's in law there. Mm-hmm. That survived the government U.S. government takeover of that country, um, that's still there. It, it doesn't. It doesn't say you have the right to keep bare arms. It doesn't say you can carry a gun with a permit. It says the male head of every has, household can own a full auto AK forty seven. That's their, <laughs> that is. You, know, you probably can't even have a snub nosed revolver there it, literally in paper it just says all you can have is a full auto ak47 but that didn't keep tyranny out. it didn't keep tyranny away and really i think a lot of what ke- i think what keeps tyranny the only hope to keep tyranny out is free speech and, yeah. uh, is ed- is education which comes from free speech
0: yeah. Yeah. Because like you were saying the other day, um, you know, they can pretty much drone you. Uh, and if if we're not to that point today, we will be within a few weeks or a few months. But but they can pretty much take out anybody Thank they want. Thank
1: you for your work on making that happen. Yeah. <laughs> when you work for
0: yeah. government,
1: In- government electronics
0: inside the uh, the complex. <laughs>
1: Did you ever heard him called that government electronics? Yeah.
0: Yeah, all the time from from the employees in inside. They, there's a weird culture in there because there's quite a few libertarians working in the uh, the military industrial complex, but and they they almost realize what they're doing is not good. But there's this, uh, I guess, cognitive dis dis dissonance. 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 Yeah, I guess that's what it is. They, you know, but. I don't know. It's it's a. a, I
1: just thought of it. That would be a really good name for a band or a podcast. Would be cognitive (laughs) dissidents.
0: Dissidents. (laughs) Because they're dissidents.
1: People who dissent. Who yeah.
0: But they, you know they're caught in a trap. I I think that's the case with uh, you know if we can if we imagine that there are good police and some people believe there are no good police and but uh, I think Nima and I were kind of bouncing back and forth the meaning of the word good.
1: Yeah, I stayed out of that whole dog fight. I didn't give a crap. I listened to you guys go back and forth in a in a rap in a in a a pod beef. <laughs> but, but no, it was an interesting conversation. I just stayed out of it. Um, yeah, I think but, it'd be easier to be. Uh, A government engineer who's a libertarian than a cop who's who's a a libertarian because um, you're kind of removed from the actuality of what's happening when you're slaving over blueprints or a computer automated drafting computer Mm -hmm. program. Whereas you know, a cop has to go around and threaten to put guns to people's head and throw them in a cage, and his job. You know.
0: Yeah, it's becoming more and more impo- closer to impossible, to be a cop and be a libertarian at the same time. There, there's, there's going
1: to. I mean, the the only ones I know of are ex cops like Richard mm. Mack, and he's a constitutionalist. But as ex cops go, I really like that guy's rap. You know, yeah. has you ever heard him? Yeah. Uh, like guns and Weed movie. Yeah. He's yeah. the guy who says yeah. I was I was an agent in the drug war and. And what I've learned is the drug war is unwinnable and should go away he's he looks square as the day is long in a good way he's an old you know kind of cowboy probably a 55, fifty five sixty years old like just looks like he'd play a cowboy in a movie he's really well spoken and he's got this plan to like sell his book about constitutional sheriffs to every sheriff basically it's a good money making- it's not a scam or scheme it's just a good money making model that goes along with what he really believes but he is trying to get his fans to buy a copy of his book for their sheriff until every sheriff. It's called the No Sheriffs Left Behind program.
2: Hmm. He wants
1: every sheriff in the country to read his book. And it basically says, you know, that something written on paper 200 year, 150 years ago, the Posse Comitatus thing says that the uh the sheriff is the highest agent in the land, higher than any federal agent and that sheriffs are the the only hope to restore constitutionalism to America. I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. But I like hearing him talk. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's better than hearing a cop tell me, you know, I want to throw you in jail for thinking that <laughs> people who own guns should be able to smoke weed, which is what <laughs> most cops would say to me if they met me.
0: Let's do a uh, a little bit of a commercial for your movie and a little clarification. You don't you don't smoke pot, correct?
1: No, I've been uh, clean and sober since. Uh, since 1994, July 7th, 1994, I was a heroin addict and an alcoholic and got sober, Uh, went to meetings for about 10 years, but I don't go anymore, but I'm still sober, and didn't even, you know, last time I spoke pot was probably like 1989 or something, I'm a pot activist, I'm a freedom activist for all freedoms, but pot in particular because my daughter died of cancer, and she was 24, died in 2006, and... She smoked pot the last year she was alive to get some relief from, uh, you know, chemo and cancer. And it right. her. And the thought that someone could have thrown her in a cage for that just made me really want to fight against that.
0: Yeah, and I don't use any kind of illegal uh anything. You know, I you're a, I t- you're
1: a Tippler. You're a Tippler. I have heard a podcast <laughs> where you and your family are tippling around the kitchen.
0: That
1: yeah. fun. It was one of my favorite episodes of the show.
0: We had a lot of fun doing that. Um, but uh, but your movie is called Guns and Weed, The Road to Freedom. Freedom. That's yeah. one
1: of my movies. I got uh 3 or 4 movies out, but that's the the, the one after I had my spiritual my my deist spiritual awakening for liberty <laughs>
0: which
1: basically meant I bought a gun in California
0: How's a good, how, what's a good way to get to that movie and buy it if somebody wants it
1: gunsandme.com and then there's a link to Amazon to buy it
0: ok and I'll put a link on the badquicker.com page yep, also and the, tra-
1: and the, tra- the, the trailer's on YouTube it's at that page it's had about 28,000 views it's doing well so is the movie
0: and if you're patient on YouTube you can actually watch the entire movie good. a piece at a time
1: Actually, my my distributor actually put the whole movie up as one piece recently. Oh, really? Yeah, but you have to search for it. And it it's up sometimes, and it's not. My version of it that's in 16 chapters is up all the time, but their version of it is up sometimes and not up sometimes because um, they're constantly battling copyright issues mm. with people. Yeah, and Sometimes YouTube takes down their whole channel and then puts it back up and then takes mm. it down and puts it back up.
0: Well, the nice thing about going through chapter at a time is that you you don't have to just sit down and watch it for the whole time. You can watch one or two chapters then you know, go and, you know, let the dog water the tree or whatever, and then come back and watch it again.
1: You know, people should know that Ben and I were talking for about two hours before we said, hey, this is pretty good. Let's
0: record this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so we've already exhausted all of our intelligence on that one.
1: Not me, man. I'm feeling um, really driven. I did a podcast last night. I interviewed Justin Longo. That'll come out Saturday on the end of gumbo. And I'm doing a podcast with Nima Vidati in a couple hours. Uh, and I just, I just, I had this like today, t- t- last night I had this feeling of like, I'm not doing enough. I have to do more. And so somehow I ended up doing three podcasts in 12 hours and talk to you about Liberty for two or three hours.
0: You've officially passed Stefan Molyneux as the hardest working man in, in uh, the Liberty Movement. You've, know, you man. get the That'd James Brown too. Award.
1: <laughs> I, I like watching reruns of Breaking Bad too much to pass his number of podcasts.
0: <laughs> that's a, We were talking about that a minute ago. That's a really good series. That is absolutely worth buying and watching. Yeah. I don't know. Is that on um, – do you know if that's on uh, – what's the Internet TV and movie thing called? I can't remember that. My mind just went blank. <laughs>
1: I call it Pirate Bay, but I think you're talking about Hulu or Netflix.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, I think the first two seasons are on Netflix. Let me check. I have Netflix. I call it Pirate Bay. Some (laughs) call it a sling blade. I call it Pirate Bay. But, uh, you know, I was was, was talking about Breaking Bad. I was talking about how I was, like, hooked from the first frame. Like, people described it to me, and I was kind of like, and I didn't start watching it until after the first two seasons were out, so I got them and watched them in one sitting, and then watched them, you know, like
0: uh-huh.
1: literally in like you know fourteen hours or whatever it took to watch mm-hmm. two That's seasons. That's what
2: I did, it, you know, yeah.
1: And I was, you know my bladder was full and I was parched and hungry and sleepy, and, but I could not turn my eyes away from this. It was, uh, God, man, how to describe it. It was like, people told me about it. It just sounded like a dumb cop show or, a, you know, cops and robbers show a cops and addicts show to me or something. And I, and I put it on and I turn it on. And the first scene of it is this like 50 year old, really square looking guy in his underwear on the <laughs> desert, holding a gun that's bigger than his head that he's waving around. Like he doesn't know how to use it speaking his last will and testament into a camcorder frantically while sirens blare in the distance. And I'm like I'm like, I'm hooked. You know, there's this there's this Hollywood saying like they teach in film school of um always begin the story with a oh start the script with this with a crime in progress which is very mm-hmm. common on cop shows and things like that and mm-hmm. dra- dramas but I've, I've never seen like a crime in progress that was so compelling i didn't even know what the crime was that was part of it too it's like <laughs> and the guy didn't look like a typical bad guy or whatever i'm like what the hell is going on here man
0: <laughs> hey let me uh, pause this and save the recording and we'll start right. it back up again hold on
1: cool. waiting for the zaya to pass Not even, yeah. You
0: know what that's from? Uh, Yeah, with the (laughs) I can't remember the name of it with the rock, the fake rock band.
1: No, it's real. It's uh, it's on a Led Zeppelin record. It's between two songs, one of those like mandolin in the garden songs on Physical physical Graffiti.
0: Oh, how did I not know that then? Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
1: there was an airplane going by.
0: Uh, in uh, at your house or mine?
1: At your house. Oh yeah,
0: you could you yeah you could hear that airplane. Oh, okay.
1: These are the good microphones today. So the reason I called you in the middle of the night, other than I wanted to talk secrets with you on Mumble, and we're using Mumble, which is encrypted, but I was really like, you know, a lot of times I'm disturbed in the middle of the night, and I'll listen to a a bad Quaker podcast because it calms me and soothes me. But last night I was really agitated about the world, and it's because I'd listened to a bad Quaker podcast (laughs) episode. So I had to call you to have you, like, pet my head and tell me it's going to be okay. I I still don't know if I'm there yet, but I'm a little more manic and awake than I was, so it's good.
0: Yeah. You know, it's all according to, well, I try to speak in as vague terms as possible whenever possible, but it's all according to how you view things, because, you know, things are going to get nasty. They're going to get really, really ugly, nasty, but in the end, and then you win. I mean, that's, you know, to use that old phrase, uh, and then you win. Uh, when the state goes, you know, uh, I quoted Roderick Long not long ago. He just dropped it in the, in the middle of one of the of his of his talks that he gave. That yeah, the state's going to look ugly when it goes. And I really, I said this on the other podcast. I really want to get him talking about that and let him elaborate because uh, he's such a smart guy. I don't agree with him hundred percent on everything, but he's such a smart guy that I would really like to hear his take on how the state is going to react, how it's going to thrash around and stuff. But but ultimately, you know, we win. It's like lancing a boil. The, <laughs> the state is like lancing a boil. <laughs> Ew, the state. Ew. <laughs> Look at the pus ooze. But but you know, uh as soon as that happens, um the relief is going to be here and the and the the cure is going to be obvious. And, and we don't need like uh, the, the, idea of the majority, we don't need the majority. They're going to follow whatever they don't care. You know, they just, they just don't, they want to be able to get to work and they want to eat their Twinkies or, or whatever. And they don't really care if there's a state or not. The vast majority of them don't think of it. Um, the water, what did I see the other day with a fish, a fish with a balloon uh, committing suicide. Did, have, have you seen that?
1: I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm going to take the reins here for a while. First go of all, I'd it. like to start some pod beef, and I'd like to say I can't believe Michael Shanklin took you to task for audio quality. When Michael Shanklin, while he's one of the more brilliant libertarian activists out there, everything he films looks like crap, and everything he records sounds like crap, audio quality. And he was like, I work in an electronic store, and then name-dropped him and said, you should go there and get better equipment. <laughs> Screw that guy, man. Ben Quaker has some of the best-sounding podcasts ever, and... We're doing mumble, which doesn't sound as good as doing a, du- a double ender podcast like Neem and I do, which is more work. Or doing your regular cast, which is sounding really good, partially because I've given you a bunch of audio advice. We're doing mumbles, and I, I think this probably sounds a-, a lot better than most two people not in the same room podcasts I've heard. So there, Michael Shanklin. So second of all, <laughs> you tried to, a few minutes. I just remembered that a few minutes ago, you tried to get me to pimp my projects, and I just kind of like forgot and. <laughs> that's not because I'm humble. It's more like, because I think that everyone in the world already knows the majesty that is Michael Dean and the brilliance of of libertarianism and anarchy and things that I produce. And just, you know, why don't they know it? Okay. They know it. All right. Ben linked it, Ben linked it. And, uh, who needs drugs, man? I take caffeine. and I I stay up for 24 hours anyway. And I just, I'll drop some mad science on your ass. Oh man. If you beat out the word ass, I'm going to laugh at you. Okay. That's not a dirty word. Okay. What else? What's the next topic, will, man? Will
0: iTunes uh, zap me on that one? I don't think they will.
1: They only do if someone complains. It's kind of like running your own uh, radio station without a license, uh, but no one would ever do that.
0: No, uh-uh, not at all. Uh, Baggy is batting at my mi- mic now, so we may get some interference.
1: My cats are asleep. I like that you bring your pets into the podcast. Although, I think one of them is probably embarrassed that you talked about his improper <laughs> habits yesterday. I I'd never embarrass my cats like that. They claw my damn eyes out while I sleep, man.
0: Yeah, Nikki is a very shy little dog.
1: I'm in Wyoming, if people don't know. Wyoming's really cool. You know, y'all who don't live in Wyoming, there's something wrong with you, and I don't really talk like this. This ain't my real accent. I'm just slipping into a, like, I don't know what it is, man. My neighbor's, my neighbor's brains are sleeping into me or something.
0: Ultimately we're both uh probably more influenced by California than than where we currently are. I'm in Ohio, you're in Wyoming, but you spent a good amount of time uh in California.
1: You know I have a statistic that fifty percent of all serial killers in the world spend at least part of their life in Los Angeles County.
0: <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> Maybe I'm not I've... a
1: serial killer. I just think it's an interesting statistic. Or no, it's oh, in Southern man. California, not Los Angeles County. But yeah, 50% of all serial killers in modern history in the world, not just in America, in the world, have spent at least part of their <laughs> life in Southern California.
0: Including some obscure Brazilian. <laughs> yeah. Man. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty crazy. So, okay, so let's get back to uh, uh, Guns and Weed. Um, did we cover that entirely?
2: I the people gun, need I
0: mean... to watch that. <laughs>
1: You know, I really hate Ted Nugent, but I like one <laughs> one thing he said. One thing he said was the right to keep in bare arms doesn't mean you've got them at home. Bear means you've got I've got some on me now. And he didn't even say it means I've got one on me now. He said it means I've got some on me now, <laughs> which I was thinking about thinking about your uh, comment that bearing arms means to produce them in your hand. I don't think that's true. I think bearing them means carry, doesn't it? And I agree that arms don't just mean guns. I mean, mm-hmm. really, according to the Second Amendment, you should be able to walk around with a samurai sword in Manhattan on your yeah. hip. But
0: yeah, um, I think in uh, in the old age or old time context, I believe to bear guns meant to, if not to draw it out, to at least show that you had it. Whether that would be, a, a,
1: I think it means open carrying on your hip.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd have I'd have to do a little research. Like to bear on
1: witness that. is to show witness, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: I'd have to do a little research on that and make sure. I probably should have done that before I said it. Well, I, I have
1: on one my... of my seven computers open in front of me that I'm not recording on.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm not that good at multitasking.
1: Dictionary. <laughs> what up, man?
0: Yeah. So, well, let's talk about Nima Vidati, your co-host on uh, Freedom Fiends podcast. Okay. Nima is uh, really interesting. He um he used to live there in Wyoming. Now he's in Washington and state and he's getting ready to move to Texas, right? Correct. And he is a professional in the business.
1: In what business?
0: In uh the mainstream media.
1: Not anymore, man. He quit it for liberty. Oh, really? He's got a, he's doing honest work now.
0: Oh. Well, that's kind of like what we were talking about, DHS and stuff.
1: He's doing tech support now. Well, you know, basically, he worked, he went to J school, which is what they call journalism school, and got mm-hmm. a, a bachelor's degree in communications or whatever, which is what you do to go work at a TV station or radio station. Mm-hmm. And um, he sent out resumes from Texas to every station in the country, got hired in Wyoming, moved here for two years won awards, was really good at what he did mm. and uh, was the best, guy, the best anchor and reporter at that station and won, won, in a, won like a statewide award for news reporting and then moved to Washington State, got another job in another place, did the same thing for a year and then quit, actually had to buy himself his contract, quit early. Wow. He, he was that into it and uh, into quitting. He just got to the point where he was like, you know, I'm not doing news. What I'm doing is being an, a propaganda arm of the state, you
2: know, because
1: hmm. because he try to do a story about, you know, anything. And they'd say, no, you have to do this, this and this. And basically what his job was, was going around and interviewing bureaucrats and citizens about how some new tax or new law would help them. Yeah. That's most of what the news is, man, on a local level.
0: You know, I have said this uh in different formats on the internet for a few years that local news is every bit as much an arm of the state as, you know, the Fox or MSN, MSNBC or or whoever. So in
1: some way, I'd say more so. Cuz I'm cuz like for instance on Fox, you have exceptions. Like you have Judge Napolitano and you have Stossel. You know, guys mm-hmm. who are like uh Stossel's a straight up libertarian, probably an anarchist or at least a He's close. Hardcore libertarian. Um, Stossel is a staunch constitutionalist in the best sense of that word. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I have a soft spot in my heart for constitutionalists because I used to be one, and they're a lot. They're not effective, as you say, over and over and over. But mm-hmm. they are. I'd rather hear them talk than hear some statist from left or right talk. You know. Yeah. And and the judges, I like I like watching the judges. I still watch him. and. Uh, even though he's not on there anymore because he started talking the truth. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's exceptions to that, but there are no exceptions on local news anywhere I've ever been. Um, Nima, Nima actually got to do a couple of stories in Wyoming about gun freedom, but it was all in sense of, like, politicians are sticking up for your rights by blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. you have to understand, like, politicians running for office here do things like... The guy who's the governor now... Um, I had an idea. And, you know, I said, Nima, why don't you call up all of the guys running for governor and say, let's go out to the shooting range together and shoot and do a news package of it. (laughs) And the Democrats said no. And of the Republicans that were running, three out of four of them said yes. So I've been shooting at a range with the current governor of Wyoming before he was the governor of Wyoming (laughs) and like, you know, let his 10 year old daughter use my three fifty seven giant Magnum revolver and showed her how to use it. And, you know, we had a good time. It was fun, but he was, they were all out there like stumping as if they were James Madison of gun Mm. rights. And then once, once, once he won the primary, he didn't want to talk about that anymore. And then once he became governor, he really didn't want to talk about it. But people win Political offices in Wyoming by trotting out their guns. I mean, even Democrats here, when they're running for office, will like put on a camo jacket and borrow someone's deer rifle for a picture, even if they don't yeah. shoot. You know?
0: Yeah. Yep. But local news, uh, like you were saying there, they just they are absolutely a tool of the uh, of the establishment.
1: I had a real story that is would be a breaking news story, and I took it to my friend that works at one of the stations here who is a producer who could get a story out there and he loved it and he couldn't do anything with it and the story was that um, in the GOP primaries here uh they just shut out the Ron Paul delegates they screwed them they, yeah. they did something they did something that's somewhere between outright violation of GOP bylaws and criminal fraud it was somewhere in between there probably mm. And it was, and, and there was, there was video and there was audio and there were, you know, delegates in the Republican party who were willing to swear under oath and be interviewed on TV. And I brought him the story. I was like, here's the story. Here's the guy's phone number. Here's a link to the audio. Here's the video. Here's another girl's phone number. She's willing to talk. Mm-hmm. And he could, they wouldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, and instead I watched the news that night and it was like, <laughs> You know, the one cent. We're trying to vote in another one cent tax raise on uh, sales <laughs> tax to, to build a new library. And here's and how it'll. Here's how it'll help you, even if you vote against it or don't oh. vote, and you'll still have to pay it. They call it a voluntary tax because they vote them in. <laughs> But they use but they use government money to pay for the billboards and the radio ads to get them voted in.
0: yeah, so you're paying for it, even if it's all voted down, you've still paid out a tremendous amount of money just for all the advertisement that they did. yeah
1: when I was more when I was politically active before I really like let go of the last inch of the disease of statism and went to status Anonymous uh, <laughs> listening to, listening to Ben Quaker every day, um, Ben Quaker. Uh, what I came to the conclusion, I actually had this thought. I, I, what I wanted to do was like get some money together and get a lawyer and file a suit against my County. I, I really think that there'd be a way to do this. I think it would ruin my life if I did it. So I didn't do it, but I think that there'd be a way. So uh, what I'm thinking is they're taking public money to run ad campaigns, telling people to vote for this thing to take more money. Yeah. Um, I believe that under campaign laws, when a public entity gives money, there's things that are like fair time or fair use or like equal, you know. Basically, Mm -hmm. I think I could sue to make the government give me tax money to run an ad campaign telling people to vote against the one-cent tax increase. (laughs) Because they they bring it up every two years, and they use public money to do it. And it's like, I don't want to be involved in politics. I don't want to do crap like that. But I think someone could do something like that.
0: Yeah. They, like you said, though, it's there is a possibility of ruining your life over it, because if you start to point out something like that, some glitch in the system where it's written in, uh, you know, where they've made a mistake and left open a, a door like that, <laughs> like, you know, I'm thinking
1: second amendments. Yeah,
0: I'm thinking Those of loopholes uh, to the government. Man. I'm thinking of what happened with Larkin Rose, where he he followed yeah. all his P's yeah. and Q's and did everything according to the letter of the law. And, and they, they still, still threw him guilty. Yeah. yeah. Still found him guilty, threw him in jail, and he had to actually go to prison over it.
1: Yeah, he's. Uh, I have him slated for an interview on the gumbo in two weeks.
0: He ha- have you seen his latest uh, video that he did? Um, the 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 oh, visuals are not Romney. so great.
1: Vote for Romney or something.
0: No, he did one about slavery, and I don't know who did his voiceover for it, but it's a it's a story of slavery, and it's really good. I'll try to remember to put a link to that on the on the Bad Quicker really page too.
1: His, his stuff's really good. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's a
1: good guy. Yeah.
0: Awkward pause. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we talked about your band. We talked about your movie, and you had multiple movies. Uh, you want to you want to give a, a commercial for any of the others?
1: Yeah, I did a, um, I did a documentary about the writer Hubert Selby, the guy who wrote the books Last Exit to Brooklyn and Requiem for a Dream that were turned into movies. Hmm. and wrote and wrote four other really cool books and uh you know was involved in an obscenity case in 1965 that actually like strengthened free speech in england Hmm. uh you know that was like the 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 book was prosecuted by like billy graham pushed people to prosecute him (laughs) and um i did a documentary around him called last uh Hubert Selby Jr. It'll be better tomorrow. And it's narrated by Robert Downey Jr., which was a lot of fun to work with hmm. for an afternoon. And I did it. My first movie was called DIY or Die, How to Survive as an Independent Artist. Independent Artist. And it's interviews with uh, a lot of independent artists and commentary and cool stuff. It's, that one was done, like, really on the cheap, and I was figuring out what I was doing as, as I went along. But it's like it kind of became the little movie that could. I mean, it, it came out in 2001 – And I still get three or four times a year, people, no, probably more than that, probably six or seven times a year, people email me from all over the world and say, hello, in broken English, like, I am having this arts festival in uh, Prague. Can we show your movie? How much will it cost? And I'm like, no,
2: just show it, man, (laughs) just show it. You also have.
1: For a while, I was saying, um, yeah, show it and take my share of it and donate it to a local animal shelter. Mm. i got I got tired of typing that, so I finally just said yes, show it to you
0: <laughs> you also have the user's manual for the human experience, which you have that in book form and you have it in uh, uh, audio that you're doing that you can get it over on freedomfiends.com. dot uh, com You can actually listen to you reading it
1: yeah except the I read it except for the foreword, which is read by the person who wrote it, who's uh pastor Ken Blanchard that uh, we spoke about before.
0: Oh you didn't read it? I mean I no, I know you you didn't write wrote,
1: it? He wrote the foreword. Oh
0: oh oh I see okay okay yeah.
1: And spoke I get the it. foreword. I wrote the book. You know, he wrote uh, the first four pages. I wrote the other 200 pages.
0: Yeah. Uh Kai was telling me that she was uh, impressed with that. She liked it.
1: Yeah. I uh I suggested that to her after her loss because it was mm-hmm. a lot of the book for me was about dealing with the loss of my daughter.
0: That's uh it's I can't I don't know how to say it in a in, a, you know, sometimes words fail me in especially on topics like that. But it was very kind of you to facing the kind of loss you faced to then go public and talk about it, like with the uh, medical marijuana issue or in, in the case in the case with the uh, um the manual for the human experience you really lay out your emotions and what you went through and what part of those emotions are productive and what are not productive it's it's really good
1: thanks man i kind of live in public i mean it's weird because i'm a very private person in a way like um you know unlisted phone number unlisted address don't want people coming to my house you know On the rare occasion, someone knocks on my door, I answer the door with a gun in my hand. I don't (laughs) point it at them. I have it so they can't see it. But Uh literally, like, you know, someone comes selling magazines door to door. I have a gun in my hand. I am not someone who likes uh, contact with people I can't control, I guess I'd say. (laughs) Um, I have have 1,700 friends on Facebook who really about four of them are really my friends, including you. But I would say of the 7,000, and I also have like about 200 people blocked on Facebook. (laughs) And I'm really, I'm proud of that fact. I don't put up with crap. I don't, life's too short to let people insult you. I'll let people disagree with me all day long. I have a good friend who I know in person who's talking, yammers at me all the time on Facebook who is a socialist. He's an avowed socialist. Mm -hmm. I'll let him talk on there as long as he wants because he's polite. I have blocked people who are... Deist, libertarian, anarchist—you know—who agree with my worldview, like ninety-nine point nine 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 percent, I blocked because they were rude. I don't take people being rude. Being rude is just grounds for dismissal, man.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's hard to tolerate. With I, uh, I don't block them. I, I have, I, I turn rude. <laughs> what, yeah, what I, mean, I do you is like I like just...
1: to fight. You've been in yeah. a lot of physical fights too. Last time I was in a physical fight, I was like fourteen.
0: Oh yeah uh i was like 48
2: <laughs>
0: uh, no i don't think i think it was longer than that maybe 40 i was probably 46 or 47 and he went to the hospital
1: i gotta take a break
0: okay i need to pause this and start it over anyway so
1: ben started recording
0: weird little voice on that that's uh, again uh that's mumble and the reason we're using Mumble is because people should use Mumble. It's secure uh, as opposed to like Skype or whatever that can be listened in upon. And why is it, uh, Michael, that we should all use Mumble even when we're, when we're not speaking secrets?
1: Oh, you explain it
0: <laughs> well. The more of us that are using encrypted software, and the more of us that are using uh, security devices of different kind, the the safer it makes it for those who have to use those things. So if we all use them on a regular basis, they don't know really who to go after. You know, it's like uh, hmm. It also uh, makes
1: them harder to outlaw. It's like gun ownership.
0: You yeah, know? yeah.
1: I mean, if. If eighty percent of the population owns guns, it's going to be hard to outlaw. If two percent of the gun population owns guns or you mm. know anything, it's e- it's easy to outlaw something that not many people do, like raw th- milk. Raw milk, you know, <laughs> raw milk's easy to outlaw because not many people drink it.
0: Right, and with uh, a little bit of education from you know education in quotes. Uh, from the public schools and people are convinced that somehow you're gonna die if you drink it even though for thousands of years people didn't die
1: I used to drink raw milk with my uh, when we'd go visit my aunt or my grandmother on their mm-hmm. farm, the farm the, the milk at the table I remember the first time I drank it I remember saying like what's this stuff on top of the milk and they were like <laughs> that's cream it's what comes on top of milk and and then you know then I looked out the window and I said, Mommy, the cows are trying to jump on each other. <laughs> I didn't know much about farms. My parents and my brothers and sisters grew up on farms, but they moved to the bustling metropolis of five thousand people when I was one.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when I was a kid, we lived in eastern Kentucky for a while, and we had fresh milk there. You know, raw milk. Uh, we, but we called it fresh milk. We didn't call it raw because you know. Yeah. But uh, uh, I got used to it there. It's like
1: in Mexico. They don't call Mexican food Mexican food. They call it food.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, You just called
1: it milk, didn't you?
0: Yeah. (laughs) But it was real common. I mean, everybody, you know. The the thing is, there's not – it's kind of even like with dealing with farm-fresh chickens. You know, it's not like – in a chicken factory where they have rows and rows of chickens stacked on chickens and the chickens are literally pooping on each other's heads, then you get diseases that pass constantly among these chickens. But people living out on a farm, unless the germ is there to begin with, it doesn't just magically appear in the slaughtered chicken. It has to come from somewhere. And in the same way with milk contaminants, it has to come from somewhere Um, It, you know, poison, uh, poisonous, uh, not poison, but uh, um, biological contamination has to have an origin and your typical farm doesn't have that. It's it's the industrialized farms that that breed those uh, uh, those pathogens worms. (laughs) <laughs> and for my listeners I'm not exp-
1: talking about worms it's uh, <laughs> something we say on the Freedom Fiends cast that means I agree with you if you go to Freedom Fiends we have a glossary of all the weird terms that we have made up or borrowed and worms is one of them
0: <laughs> you young kids with your hippity hoppity music Oh, <laughs> uh, I, so I, I listened to uh, some of your old band uh, Bomb and I was what's really the name,
1: what's the name of the mumble server we're on by the way mumble oh server.
0: Uh, it's
1: worm Island.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> I was Which looking actually, forward on the thing. All,
1: you know, Mumble was invented by gamers so they could like yell at each other in groups of fifty or hundred while they're playing multi-person games. Um, and they all have like you can tell they're gamers because of the names. Of the- One of the servers on there was Whore Island. <laughs> I just thought that was so <laughs> funny. I was like, we'll call ours Worm Island.
0: Oh man.
1: So yeah, I was in a band.
0: Yeah the the. Uh... I was... girls
1: I'm in a band
0: <laughs> hey you were you were the lead singer right yeah so I you were to, the front man
1: I used to get lots of tail man I I have had I have made sweet sweet love to more ladies than um, a guy who's five foot four and has black teeth has a right to on this, on this <laughs> life uh,
0: <laughs> how many musicians have said I started playing the guitar because girls like musician.
1: P. Pete Towns- Pete Townsend said that. Um, mm. I never said that. I'd never admit it, but it. I I started playing music because I wanted to play music because I loved music and like felt it in my heart. Mm-hmm. But as I didn't even wait till I learned three chords before I went out in the park to play for girls. As soon as I could play two chords, I went out and sat in the park and played for girls and learned to play guitar <laughs> in front of girls. And the first time I had sex was I was fourteen and she was fourteen. We were both virgins, and it was because I played guitar and. I guess that goes back to like living the life in public, but also being a private person. I don't know.
0: (laughs) My son uh, um, wanted a guitar. I think he was about the eighth grade. So however old you are there, seventh grade, maybe even. And, um, you know, he had, he had gone through several phases and it was like, all right, we'll buy him a cheap guitar and six months he'll be past the phase and we'll sell it back to the pawn shop or whatever. And um, he never did. I mean, he just, he, he never left. It, it wasn't a phase. It was just something that he couldn't stop doing. And uh, even today, now he plays bass guitar, guitar, keyboards, whatever they need his in the band.
1: Great. I love his band. I, I appreciate you saying that. I love it. Yeah, I, I appreciate did, I you know saying your, that. I didn't know it was your son, and I loved it.
0: Yep. They, he's, he's on a precip- precipice. Is that the right precipice? word? Precipice? Precipice. He he has to make a decision like right now. Is he going to go and make a living doing that? Because the the band is to that stage where they could take off today and have and tour full time and make a living, or is he going to be Mister Stay at home, have a family, do all these? He's right on the on that in that position to make that decision. go on like,
1: tour, go on tour, go on tour. You can well, start a family later. I got married at like forty four, man. Hmm. I mean, you have to go out and bang those 175 women first.
0: <laughs> some of my regular Bad Quaker listeners are like, this is not, they're not talking about the normal things they talk this about.
1: not the normal Bad Quaker. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I'll tell you something. I was When I was like at the height of the popularity of the band I was in, like when we were signed to Warner Brothers and we were about to go on our European tour and, you know, things were looking really good and I was feeling really cocky about myself. I was in a music store one day buying some strings or something and There was this kid in there. who was about thirteen, with his parents who were like shopping for a guitar for him. And he was, he was playing a Nirvana song. This was like at the height of Nirvana. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: you know, like some people have it and some people don't. Like your son has it. Like you said, like it just it burns in him. Mm -hmm. And I I looked at this kid and I could just tell he didn't have it. I just grocked it from looking at him and hearing Mm -hmm. how he how he played. Like all the notes were in the right place, but there was no no balls in it. No. It just—it didn't have any blood. It was bloodless. Yeah. And and I was really really feeling like so full of myself that day that like it made me today look like a, a hermit. And uh, and I, they they were about—I could tell they were about to say he say like yes we'll buy you that one and I walked by and I looked I stopped and I about four feet away from his parents and I I started talking and the kid stopped playing and I looked at his parents and I said you know. I never took heroin until after my parents bought me a guitar. (laughs) And I just walked out. I don't know if they bought it for me or not, but I just I had so Um, much fun with that, man.
0: (laughs) You can just see the 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 parents in their minds, the the whole thing the image is just (laughs) deflating like Oh,
1: Oh, the kid probably wanted to kill me too.
0: Oh wow. You have a cruel streak.
1: yeah i haven't punched anybody since i was 14 but i've done things like that a lot since after i was 14
0: i've got it that part that you said earlier about door-to-door salesmen, i've got to i've got to peel that out of this recording and and play it for my family over and over i've been known to chase door-to-door salesmen all the way out into the street
1: <laughs> not me man i just i just say no thank you and shut the door i said it's like these these the only time I felt bad about it, it was two deaf ladies. I mean, you got to have balls to be deaf and go door-to-door and trying to sell religion. And I was like, no, thank you. Like, I mouthed it really loud.
0: Just,
2: <laughs>
1: I guess I got loud. I don't know why. But uh, terrible. Come. You know what? People almost, I mean, I would say less than three times a year someone, rings, someone knocks on my door when it's not someone I'm expecting. Mm. And I part of it is, um, the first day we moved into this house, I disconnected the doorknob. So there's probably <laughs> often people standing out there ringing the doorbell for a while. But, you know, you've got to have a lot of gumption to ring the doorbell for a while and then go, that didn't work. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: I, I have two signs, one on the door itself and one literally backed up to the bell where you have to, like, almost touch the sign to touch the bell, telling them to go away and leave me alone and where we're at here we're a target neighborhood for that kind of thing we're the we're the perfect income level and stay-at-home moms and stuff like this uh, you know soccer moms that uh, we are a perfect target neighborhood for these people to come in but we're also a perfect target neighborhood for for a scam that happens all the time where they send people door to door specifically to get information and then feed it back to home uh invaders and home you know uh, thieves so there's a good portion of the people who are coming through my neighborhood every year that are simply finding out you know, which house has an old widow who's friendly and will talk, which houses are empty during the day, things like that. And so I have no tolerance for them. If they, they have seen both of my signs telling them clearly to go away, and they ring my bell anyway, then it's on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can recognize those people too. I had a lot more of those in California, but I've had one or two of them here that may or may not be that. It might just be earnest, stupid people trying to sell something door-to-door. But, uh, you know, I mean, California, they were really blatant about it. Like, they claim to be from the power company, which there is called, you know, Pacific Gas and Electric. But they, and they'd have, like, jumpsuits on with an oval on them that says power company, which is not <laughs> what the people from the power company wear there. right? And, uh, but here, you know, it'd be interesting if somebody who was doing that scam for the home invaders or the criminals did that with me because – uh they would <laughs> ring my bell over and over and over and put me down as someone who's not there in the afternoon. And um the interesting thing about me, I'm a really bad target for any kind of home invader or burglar because I am a armed 24-7. I have a, a Glock 40 caliber on a shoulder holster with one in the chamber on me right now, and I generally have that in my home. So it's not like I have to run to get my gun. It's like I pack in my home. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, within reach generally have firepower well beyond that, you know, Mm -hmm. loaded, loaded rifles, which really if, if I had a choice in a home defense situation, it would be a rifle, not a handgun. Yeah. Uh, thirdly, I have such a weird stay at home, work at home, sleep schedule that at any given hour in a 24 hour period, it's a coin flip, whether I'm asleep or awake. Yeah. You know? So, um,
0: well, that's the other thing that irritates me about them coming up and ringing the bell and stuff. Because, uh, I, I, for years, I worked a rotating shift, and I would be, a, you know, asleep during the day or at any other weird time. I can't. And, you
1: didn't disconnect your doorbell, man. I don't really yeah. have to do that. <laughs> Although I wouldn't um, be surprised if some like city, even my city, would pass an ordinance that you can't have your doorbell disconnected for some reason.
0: If it dawns on them, they probably would. You know, uh, for some, they, I'm sure it's to save the children. For safety, yeah. 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 Oh, man. But, yeah, I have a sympathy towards anybody who's sleeping during the day and then these clowns come banging on your door to try to sell you some trinket or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's something that big dogs you probably deal with well <laughs> in the yard.
0: Yeah, well, I have them in the backyard, but the, the it's going to sound like I have a compound now, but my whole back half of my yard is, is sound protected by my dogs. And the front, I have like uh, the world's, well, I shouldn't say that. There is worse trees. But I have uh, Washington hawthorns down one whole side of my property line. So if you're going to try to get through that, you're going to lose a lot of your skin on the way through. And that focuses all, anybody who comes to my house has to come in one direction. And I have control of them in that setting. (laughs)
1: Worms. (laughs) You know, an interesting thing about worms is that in fertile soil, fertile, fertile soil, of the average farm, like a farm with livestock, the weight of the earthworms in the soil is more than the weight of the cattle on top of the soil. Wow. That's kind of creepy and weird, isn't it?
0: That's amazing. Yeah, that could be though, because you get into a very fertile uh, field like that, and just dig a shovel down, and you've got a double handful of worms immediately. Yep, they are very uh, proficient uh, multipliers.
1: <laughs> if uh, I don't know if the mic's picking it up, but if you hear wheezing in the background, that's one of my cats. She kind of <laughs> she's fourteen. <laughs>
0: That's a uh, that's a that's a little bit of an overlap between the two podcasts. You uh your podcast includes your cast of animals too.
1: Yeah. You are, I don't I don't generally um extrapolate it enough to come up with parables and analogies <laughs> about them like you do though.
0: Oh, that's pretty funny. Parables. <laughs>
1: Catables. Dogables.
0: Yeah uh I should bring Buddy and Jingo into him more often they're the they're the you know they're the ones guarding the backyard and Buddy is a great old dog anyway he's uh he's right at the end of his years and we keep talking about having to put him down it, uh, we're going to have to do it at some point he's he's to that you know to the age of where if we don't he's going to suffer and it's just something that you know i i don't want to think about it i I'm, I'm in denial about it, and then I have to face it and then I'd go back into denial about it, but he's a great old dog. I need to actually do a podcast in the backyard with with him around me.
1: Cool. You gonna put him down yourself, or pay, pay a stranger to do it?
0: I I can't because the stupid laws here. But uh, I had you know I have before. I think that's merciful to do that, and I don't have an ethical problem with putting down an animal that's in pain and everything. Um, and I'm and I. I don't want to put anybody down who takes their animal into a a vet and does it that way because I realize that that's you know that's individual choice and everything. But um, when they have passed a law locally, that means that that is such that you cannot do that yourself. It takes away part of the personal relationship. Uh, And and how would
1: they? How would they even know? I mean, you know, a twenty-two in a basement, no one's going to hear. Yeah.
0: Well, only if a neighbor
1: and then you just shovel.
0: Yeah, only so if a neighbor a, rats you out.
1: Oh, you blast hip-hop in the living room. It's <laughs> all there, that gun, gunfire in it anyway, all that music.
0: And there are really um, calm ways of doing that, even without a gun. You can just fill a, a bathtub with CO2 from you know, baking soda and, and, uh, and vinegar in a bathtub, and the dog will lay down and go to sleep and run out of oxygen. Uh, It's not poisonous, you know, uh, you can breathe it as long as there's air in the room also, but CO2 is...
1: Are you going to call this episode, (laughs) Bad Bad (laughs) Quaker Tells You How to Kill Your Dog?
0: How to Murder an Animal. (laughs) (laughs) I think
1: that would get a lot of, um, you know, talk about trying to go for feisty SEO with, uh, you know... Oh,
0: my... Hey, I should give a shout out to that too. You helped me tremendously to get uh, search engine awareness to BadQuaker dot com. You have a series on that that's re- really helpful. If I can you know, remember, all... It's,
1: like, it's interesting because you and a couple other people have said it helped them immensely. And uh, somebody told me recently that Freedom Phoenix, Freedom's Phoenix's previous webmaster, told someone at Freedom's Phoenix that my SEO uh, series was bunk and useless.
0: Really? Yep. Hmm.
1: More pod beef, man, but he don't work there anymore, so it don't matter.
0: <laughs> well, he can, about... come,
1: he can come ring my doorbell, and we'll talk. Yeah. About it.
0: <laughs> well, we've about hit our end of our uh, our time here for the podcast. So, anything else you want to throw at the folks before you go?
1: No, I'm going to go uh, talk lovey love to my wife before she goes off to work, and yeah, my next before my third podcast of the afternoon comes up.
0: Yeah, that's important. You got to do that. You got to keep those things together. Take care of yourself, Michael. Worms.